0: Oh, good morning, church family. How's everyone doing today? Well, it's another nice winter's day. It's back to winter, but that's good. We'll get winter when it's winter, and then we'll have summer when it's summer. That's what I'm hoping for. Well, today, I would like to talk to you about something that's probably... Somewhat familiar to all of you, but I'd like to expound upon it a little bit and hopefully give it a a little bit of different perspective, maybe, give you something new to think about. I'm sure we have all heard of Martin Luther, a monk that entered history on October 31st, 1517, when he nailed his 95 Thesis to the door of the Wittenberg Cathedral. With this act, he started the wheels of the Protestant Reformation turning. He was a bold and courageous man, unafraid to stand before councils and give account for his faith, unafraid to challenge the accepted doctrines of the day when he received new light from the scriptures. He certainly was not a meek and mild man, always seeking the approval of others. When the Pope sent him a document in December of 1520, the famous papal bull, calling him to recant and repent of his new doctrines these doctrines on justification by faith, doctrines against the sale of indulgences. When he was called to recant, to repent, and return to the old ways, what did he do? Did he concede and say, okay, I don't want to cause a stir here, I will repent? Did he write a polite letter in return, explaining why he could not and would not? No, he had a flair for the dramatic. On the 10th of December, 1520, he publicly burned that papal bull. And on January the 3rd of 1521, he was excommunicated for his troubles. Now, excommunication means he was placed outside of the favor of the church and also supposedly outside the love of God. Beyond salvation and surely destined for hell, according to the doctrines of the Catholic Church at the time. Luther wasn't too worried though for he knew that no man could dictate who God loved or did not love. Now in April of 1521 Luther was summoned to the Diet of Worms where he was tried for his beliefs and again called to recant. This is a fairly famous Council of Worms. You all heard about it in history class. It's a pivotal event in history. And he was his, all his writings were placed before him. and says, you did did you write this? Do you stand by this? And he was questioned on all these beliefs. And finally, this is where one of his most famous quotes comes from. Where he said, unless I am convinced by the testimony of the scriptures or by clear reason, for I do not trust either in the Pope or councils alone, since it is well known that they have often erred and contradicted themselves. I am bound by the scriptures I have quoted, and my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recount anything, since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. Here I stand. I can do no other. May God help me. Amen. The result of this trial was that Martin Luther was declared an outlaw by the emperor. He no, not, he no longer had any legal rights, he could be killed by anyone without repercussions to them, and indeed it was a crime for anyone to offer him aid or comfort. So now he's in two bad books, the bad books of the church and the bad books of the state. But was he afraid? No. He wasn't afraid he did what he thought was right no matter what the consequences now shortly after this this died of worms on his way home he was kidnapped by his friends for his own safekeeping and they took him to a castle in wartburg germany where he was basically lived in hiding for several months this is also where he translated the new testament into german Now, it's easy for us to arrive at the view that the Protestant Reformation was driven by one man, Martin Luther. And I disorganized my papers along the way. Where's page three? Well... Some While Luther was certainly a key player, he was not the only one that was involved in the Protestant Reformation. There were many other people involved, and Luther had help. Now, I want to draw your attention to one man in particular, a man that you may or may not have heard of before, but was very important in the way the Reformation took shape. His name was Philip Melanchthon a very close friend of Martin Luther, a scholar. Now let me read you a passage about Melanchthon and his contribution to the Protestant Reformation. It says, Melanchthon's importance for the Reformation lay essentially in the fact that he systemized Luther's ideas, defended them in public, and made them the basis of a religious education. These two figures, by complementing each other, could could be said to have harmoniously achieved the results of the Reformation. Melanchthon was impelled by Luther's work for the Reformation. His own inclinations would have kept him a student. Without Luther's influence, Melanchthon would have become a second Erasmus, although his heart was filled with a deep religious interest in the Reformation. While Luther scattered the sparks among the people, Melanchthon, by his humanistic studies, won the sympathy the sympathy of educated people and scholars for the Reformation. Besides Luther's strength of faith, Melanchthon's many-sidedness and calmness, as well as his temperance and love of peace, he, he had a share in the success of the movement. Both were aware of their mutual position, and they thought of it as a design necessity of their common calling. Melanchthon wrote in 1520, I would rather die than be separated from Luther, whom he afterward compared to Elijah, and called the, ma- called the man full of the Holy Ghost. In spite of the strength, the strained relations between them in the last years of Luther's life, Melanchthon ex- exclaimed at Luther's death, Dead is the horseman and chariot of Israel who ruled the church in this last age of the world. On the other hand, Luther wrote of Melanchthon, in the preface to Melanchthon's commentary on the Galatians in 1529, I had to fight with rabble and devils, for which reason my books are very warlike. I am the rough pioneer who must break the road, but Master Philip comes along softly and gently, sows and waters heartily, since God has richly endowed him with gifts. Luther also did justice to Melanchthon's teachings, praising one year before his death, in the preface of his own writings, Melanchthon's revised Loki above them and calling Melanchthon a divine instrument which has achieved the very best in the department of theology to the great rage of the devils and his scabby tribe. It is remarkable that Luther, who vehemently attacked men like Erasmus and Bucher, when he thought the truth was at stake, never spoke directly against Melanchthon and even during his melancholy last years, conquered his temper. Have you ever heard of this man, Melanchthon, before? I hadn't really come across him before either, but there's more to that story. As you can see, while Luther was this bold, fiery man going out before the people, Melanchthon was a much quieter man. But through their varied strengths, they formed a much more powerful relationship, they achieved something greater than they could have achieved by themselves. Now, let me read you another passage. This time, from the book Spiritual Gifts by E.G. White. I saw that Luther was ardent and zealous, fearless and bold in reproving sin and advocating the truth. He cared not for wicked men and devils. He knew that he had one who was mightier than them all. Luther possessed fire, zeal, courage, and boldness, and at times might go too far. But God raised up Melanchthon, who was just the opposite in character, to aid Luther and carry on the work of reformation. Melanchthon was timid, fearful, cautious, and possessed great patience. He was greatly beloved of God, His knowledge was great in the scriptures and his judgment and wisdom was excellent. His love for the cause of God was equal to Luther's. Their hearts, the Lord, knit together. They were friends which were never to be separated. Luther was a great help to Melanchthon and when he was in danger of being fearful and slow. And Melanchthon Melanchthon was also a great help to Luther to keep him from moving too fast. Melanchthon's far-seeing cautiousness often averted trouble which have come upon the cause if the work had been left alone to Luther. And the work would often have failed in, in being pushed forward if it had been left to Melanchthon alone. It was shown, I was shown the wisdom of God in choosing these two men of different characters to carry on the work of reformation. I was then carried back to the days of the apostles and saw that God chose his companions, an ardent and zealous Peter, and a mild, patient, meek John. Sometimes Peter was impetuous, and the beloved disciple often checked Peter when his zeal and ardor led him too far. But it did not reform him. But after Peter had denied his Lord and repented and was converted, all he needed was a mild caution from John to check his ardor and zeal. The cause of Christ would have often suffered had it been left alone to John. Peter's zeal was needed, His boldness and energy often delivered them from difficulty and silenced their enemies. John was winning. He gained many to the cause of Christ by his patient forbearance and deep devotedness. Balance. How we have seen in the past how God has used complete opposite people to accomplish something bigger than themselves. He talks about how Luther was not afraid to scare, to stare death in its face and stand boldly before judges, kings, and take whatever consequence might come his way. But he couldn't carry through everything. And Melanch, while he might have been frightened, you know, too timid to maybe stand and give an account for his faith in the same way Luther did, He worked through it he smoothed out the bumps he polished it up he explained it to his contemporaries and they reached two totally different groups one balanced the other they were both incredibly necessary but for different reasons what is abundantly clear from both of these passages is that no one is an island that we are stronger together While often one person may lead or have preeminence in a project or endeavor, I said, we've all heard of Martin Luther, but maybe not so much Melanchthon, though they were equally important. They very seldom do it all by themselves. There are other participants that, while they may go unnoticed or receive little fanfare, are of no less importance to the overall good. I wish I had looked up the name of the man that had Wartburg Castle because you can be sure it was probably a prince or a dutch or a duke or something he had an important role to play too though we don't know his name at this time we could probably find it and though he didn't necessarily stand before the emperor and defend the faith he provided a a spot in time and in space where luther could translate the bible from greek into german and then everybody could read it because at this time most of the scriptures, indeed, Martin Luther's ninety five thesis were written in Latin initially. They were only translated to German later. So because of this one man that took a side role, he accompl- Luther was able to accomplish something very significant. Now, in First Corinthians, it talks about spiritual gifts. First Corinthians, twelfth chapter, verses four to twelve, and it says, "There are there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all." For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each individually as he wills. For as the body is one and has many members... But all the members of that one body, being many, are the body, so also is Christ. Now isn't it, I guess you could say, profound and wonderful, the way that God has balanced the church? You know, God works very, God is all about balance. You know, when you look at, his, at the way he created the world, at his creations, He's got one thing here, and you've got one thing over here, and they balance each other out. You know, everything is in remarkably good order. And so is his church. You know, not everyone can be a Martin Luther. It probably wouldn't be good if we were all Martin Luthers. It might be a little bit dramatic. Said Luther had a flair for the dramatic. He definitely was the guy that liked to be out there and be heard and make a show of it sometimes but he got his point across and we all can't be melanchthons, deep scholars devoting their life to study to reading to learning the details and then codifying them but he still had a great work we can't all be dukes or princes that can provide a castle indeed he had Friends that acted as bandits that kidnapped him. Everyone has a gift that they can use. Because those men on horses that showed up to kidnap Luther. I'm sure that was a special kind of person too. But they all had a purpose in the, greater, in the grand scheme of things. You know, we are blessed that our church here has a broad diversity. We have many gifts, we have many talents. You know, we've got deacons, we've got sound people, we've got people that can sing, we've got people that can teach, we've got people that can speak, we've got health ministries people. We have a broad diversity of talent in this church. And you know, it's really come, become evident in the last months where we've been operating without a pastor because we've had to step up and fill in the gaps for ourselves. And it's been, it's been a blessing, hasn't it? Yes, it's been challenging, and I'm sure we will have many more challenges. But it is nice that many people have been able to step up and fill in the gaps. You know, we've still got every space on that schedule filled for preaching and for teaching and for everything else. It's good when we can all use our gifts for the cause of Christ. You know, if everyone feels that they've got more gifts that they can use, by all means... There is so much work to be done. But through our willingness and with God's help, we're able to accomplish so much. Even though some have had to carry some extra burdens for a time, we keep moving forward, and I thank everyone for that. We are all stronger, smarter, and more capable together. Many hands make light work. And they can accomplish much more when we support one another. Just like Melanchthon offset Luther's shortcomings and Luther made up for Melanchthon's, so do we as fellow church members create a synergy amongst ourselves. When we as individuals come together as a a whole that is stronger than the sum of our parts. I guess you can say this sermon is in effect a product of that. Because last week I had no idea what I was going to talk about, not a clue. But I was talking to Maria after church and she shared with me some stuff she had been reading and it was a chapter from Spiritual Gifts that talked about how Luther and Melanchthon worked together to accomplish what they did, the part of the passage I shared with you. So. Maria Maria found it. She shared it with me, and I'm sharing it with you. We're strengthening one another. The individual parts come together to make a stronger whole. Yo, let us return for a moment to think about our scripture reading, Proverbs 27:17. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Yo, it's with our interactions with one another both inside, in church, out of church, everywhere we go. We strengthen each other. We bump off each other's edges. We bring forward new ideas. We hone our thoughts. This is why Sabbath school and lesson study can be such a wonderful time. Because it allows us to take some information and throw it out there and stir it around. And maybe someone else has something that we don't think of. Someone sees it differently than we do. Someone has read something that we are unaware of. And because of this interaction, of this bumping together, we become stronger as a whole. Now, I believe this is one of the reasons we are told to to never neglect to gather together from one week to another. So we will have opportunity to support one another, to strengthen one another, to build up the body of Christ. You know, how many people out there are lonely or, or lacking in, in what they experience because they don't interact with one another? Oh, you hear it often, over and over again. We live in a lonely, lonely age because people are not sharpening one another; they're busy. Doing their own thing, or they're interacting superficially online, they don't have the time to go and spend in this individual relationship with one another. You know, I think this is one of the great strengths of the church that we have this opportunity to interact with one another, to spend time, to strengthen one another, to hear each other's problems, to hear each other's challenges. And say, you know what, I experienced something like that once. And, you know, God got me through that. Or, did you read this? I want to share a verse with you. It could, or, I will pray with you. Or even, sometimes it is just enough to have someone hear your voice. You know, just listening. You know, that's one thing we learned in school. A really successful psychologist doesn't talk much. They let you do all the talking. They let you get the words out there and they they steer you a little bit to where you need to go. How much can be accomplished by simply having someone willing to listen to what you have to say? So in closing, I would like to leave you with one last thought. Turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, the fourth chapter, verses 9 to 12. And the heading is The Value of a Friend. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Though in many ways I do believe this is one of the key purposes of the church, yes, it is we were set forth to spread the gospel, to teach and to preach and to go into all the world. But in doing so, we were also to build each other up, to provide comfort, to provide support, to provide loving care. When you look at how Jesus interacted with so many people. Yes, he preached and he taught and he challenged the Pharisees. But at the same time, you see those experiences like the woman at the well. He says, you know, what do you need to the woman? You know, you, you've come for water. I can give you more water. Or when Nicodemus came to him at night and said, you know, teacher, you know, what, you know, what more do I need to know? I don't understand some of these things. And Jesus expounded upon. It says, you, you need to be born again. you in these quiet, peaceful interactions with individuals. Jesus accomplished great things. Just as great as he did through public evangelism to thousands of people. So, like I say, this is, I believe, one of the great purposes of the church to be there for one another, to be friends and to be Christians. May we always provide balance to one another. Where one is strong and another is weak, may we make up the gap. Where one may speak, another may be very good at personal interaction. And one may be an expert in health and another an expert in something else but we all come together for the greater good. May the Lord always keep this in our mind. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you have called us all to be the body of Christ. Lord, all us as separate pieces, individual members, have been brought together into a whole that is worth more than the sum of its parts. For, Lord, as we are able to strengthen one another, to support one another, to build on each other's momentum, Lord, we can create something that is far greater. Lord, we ask that you will work on our hearts, that we will learn to be a stronger body, that we will grow more closely together. I know we have made a lot of progress over the years, but help us to continue to grow in strength. For, Lord, it is our desire to move forward for your good, for you are the reason about all of this. You have called us each unto ourselves, Lord, you have drawn us each to you. Lord, help us to go out and to draw others to you as well. For as we have been blessed, let us bless others. For we know there are many out there that are in need of you or in search of you. And they only just need a bit of direction. Lord, we also ask at this time, that you will dismiss us with your blessing, that you will keep your hand upon us, that you will keep us safe, that you will direct us down the paths that we should go, and that you will teach us what we need to learn, no matter how difficult it may be at times. Lord, we ask that you'll also bring us back again next week to worship you here that we may continue to strengthen one another. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen.